0: Blog Talk Radio. rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. Right, let's go. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike.
1: Mike, they're dancing in the chat room, baby. wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by the big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, we just got off a fantastic show listening to Eric and Dave over on the high-stakes fantasy hour. What do you say, my man, week four?
2: Uh, I tell you what, week four, it, it just gets better and better all the time. Now that we got the uh... The game is legitimate, so to speak. I, I hate to say the first three weeks weren't, but uh, let's face it. Uh, everybody felt at ease. You're not going to tell me that these players, these coaches, didn't feel a lot more at ease Thursday night when those referees came out on that field.
1: 347-324-5404 four, four, four is the number. The chat room, the crew here at the Red versus Blue is heating up. The trifecta goes to... Henry Muto, KO crew and Shane Hallam hammer. So we, uh, we have a great, uh, week four upon us. Mike, you were exactly right. The tip of the cap goes to the referees and to Roger Goodell for finally ending the madness. Look, I applaud Roger Goodell for doing what he tried to do, which was to bust up the union. You know, I I know some people might not like that, but I appreciate that fact. I think you have to work hard and you got to keep working hard to get what you get in this world. And, uh, You know, he tried to do it, but at the end of the day, the NFL had too much at stake. Players, Uh, uh, there was a lawsuit bound to happen, you know, whether it be from the players, the fans, the owners. uh, Something was bound to happen. You know, there could have been a, a real bad situation happen with this animosity that built up. Mike, could you imagine if that call had went the other way? In Seattle, and maybe the ball looked like it was owned, and it was—it looked like it was grabbed by Golden Tate, and you were in a raucous crowd, and they had man. to make that call. Those referees had to make the call the other way for the defense
2: on the road. I mean, that could have been real pandemonium. Oh man, especially against the twelfth man. I mean, that Seattle crowd is known as the twelfth man. Uh, that would have been nuts. But uh, the bottom line is the uh, the officials. And they they weren't able to establish credibility, uh, so therefore there's no way they couldn't make a, a call that was going to be right either way. They were put into a bad situation. Uh, as far as you uh, as far as you applaud Roger Cadell, uh, I couldn't uh, I couldn't disagree with you more. Roger Cadell, I can't stand the jerk. I can't stand him. He is using us. He's using every one of us as a tool. He knows that we could have carried this on. If that call wouldn't have happened, if that play wouldn't have happened, those replacement referees would still be in place. Roger Goodell is he's using us as a tool. And I'm sorry I went on a rant, but that's the way I believe.
1: Hell, you're entitled to your opinion, my man. That's what this show is all about. Lance in the chat room brings up a good point. You know, you got that New Orleans Green Bay game coming up, and he said, "If if Green Bay loses a home game in the playoffs, like they think they will, could you imagine? You know, the backlash that the um the, they would they would face, that would be dangerous, and maybe while the pressure was on. Imagine the fake refs rolling into a Green Bay home game. That's what Lance had to say in the chat room. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We see Eric Boltman in the chat room from the High Stakes Fantasy. Hour. great hour there. Uh, breaking down all the fantasy stats. Like I said, Kirk uh, Kirk Osborne, K.O. Crew, Henry Muto, get paddled. Billy Wall is one of the best in the world. Mino Brown, Shane Hallam, sports betting man, Lance, Urinal Mint, the list goes on, are enjoying red versus blue. Mike, yeah, we had a little Tiesto there in the beginning of the show. People kind of like that music that, that, that pumped me up to get the things going. But let's go ahead and get right into week four in the National Football League. Stardom and Sidoms, Mike. Carolina at Atlanta. You know what? Who's the number one tight end in the league right now, Mike? It's no surprise to me. It shouldn't be any surprise to you. It's Tony Gonzalez. 21 catches, 214 yards, and three touchdowns. This is just another feel-good story, isn't it? Tony Gonzo, absolutely unstoppable in this offense. You look at the snap counts. 47 for Roddy. 45 for Gonzo. And only... 27 for Julio. Look, if you drafted Julio Jones, you thought you were getting Calvin Johnson-esque, you know, uh, performance, right? But you could have had A.J. Green. You could have had Percy Harvin. While Jones bounced back with the 67 yards and a score on Sunday, it still seems, I mean, it's definitely, he's third in the pecking order behind Roddy and Gonzo. They both have more targets, more catches, more yards. As long as that's the case, Mike, Julio won't take his fantasy production to the next level. It's impossible to rely on those touchdowns because it's so up and down. The other numbers that we're seeing, the targets and the catches, it's more its more in line with a, a number two wide receiver. Now, you know, look, I'm a huge Julio fan, and there's going to be coming a time where he's an unstoppable fantasy beast and phenom, but it doesn't look like, right now, Mike, it doesn't look like it's this year, and it looks like We were duped.
2: Well, I I tell you what, uh, we were. uh, Tony Gonzalez right now, uh, I'm showing up as the number nine overall point producer in fantasy football. And that includes Joe Blacko, Ray Rice, Brent Lester's numbers, Corey Smith, his numbers. I mean, Tony Gonzalez is putting up numbers that is unbelievable, and you know why? Because Matt Ryan and that whole offense is that explosive. It is that good. Uh, the over and under this week is 48.5. So that tells you right there that this team, they love to score. But who is their first option? I don't know if Tony Gonzalez is their first option, uh, but it sure seems like it. And he's scoring points like crazy.
1: We're going to bring on a guest for the evening. It is Crafty Bulky, Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour. Eric, we're sitting here talking about Julio Jones. There was a lot of love for him. I don't think there was more hype for any player in the National Football League than there was Julio Jones going into Vegas. What's up, my man? How you feeling?
3: Uh, I'm doing really good. Um, I'm kind of upset at the fact that I don't think Mike's going to get a Christmas card from Roger Goodell anymore. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> No, that won't happen, and and he's not going to get one from me. I can guarantee it. <laughs> um,
3: no, what it is, as far as the Julio Jones things go, I I think that uh, it is interesting. I did not realize that um, Roddy and Gonzo both had more targets and catches than um, than Julio right now. But that you know, when I actually sit down and think, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Is you know those guys have both had some pretty big weeks, and Julio obviously had the big week. One has been quiet since then. The great thing about Julio is, if you drafted him, you you drafted him based on his freakish athletic talent, how great uh, he can be um, in that offense, and how he is able to just dominate a game and take over at a moment's notice. So I think if you still have him, you're you know you're still feeling pretty good about it, and, and the fact that he can just go on like a four week tear, you know where he catches. 35 balls and, and and gets like seven or eight touchdowns and and, and just piles on, you know, the yardage. I, I think that if, if, uh, if he's able to do that, well, you're still um, saying like, hey, th- he's still going to be the number two receiver at the end of the year. But until he does it, I, I guess I'd feel a little nervous.
1: 15 catches, 189 yards and three touchdowns for Julio, 19 for 244 for Roddy, and obviously the stat line we just read off for Tony G., uh, again, it's a little disappointing here. But we also have another player that we can kind of look at, the quizinator here, Atlanta's Jaquiz Rogers. He's earning a bigger role in the Falcons' backfield as well. He's not a threat to take Turner's starting job yet, but Rogers got 10 carries in week three. That alone puts him on the radar in most leagues. And when we look at the deeper level, the offensive snaps, Jaquiz Rogers 34, Michael Turner 32. So slowly, Mike... Slowly, the changing of the guard is taking place, and I know you don't want to admit it. I know you're a Turner guy, but Quiz is uh, slowly getting his way into this new offensive system in Atlanta.
2: Well, you know, the one thing I saw uh, this week was uh, Turner, he was getting some carries, and it was making making it work. But uh, let's face it, the NFL, it's turning into – it's not turning into, it it is – a quarterback driven league and we all must realize this and you know the turners uh the jacchus rogers i mean even the even if he was to be the number one running back in atlanta i mean how many how many carries how many touches is he going to get it's a quarterback driven league and we have to realize that
1: There's not a lot to talk about on the other side of the ball here. This Carolina team, Eric, I'm not real sure what to make of it. We look at this uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Brandon LaFell actually having more snaps than Steve Smith, 39 to 37 on the pass routes, 57 to 56 on the total play counts. Greg Olson is definitely picking things up. Cam Newton uh, looks like a total disaster right now compared to where we've been drafting him. It's a a little bit of a mess, but Greg Olson seems to be the only guy. The running backs is a mess. The receiver's not really there. Cam doesn't have it, but Greg Olson looks like he has finally turned the corner.
3: Yeah, and, and I think uh, you're, you're you have to be a, still a little, you know, a little bit walking on eggshells with Greg Olson, especially with what we've seen with Cam Newton and you know Steve Smith chewing him out and just kind of having the uh, the Cutler look on the sidelines when when they were getting blown out in their last game and just seemed totally disinterested. And this is, you know, that's not the Cam Newton they drafted. The Cam Newton they drafted man, he's an entertainer. He's he he's uh you know he goes out and performs. Everybody loves watching him play. He's electric. He's athletic. He's he can run the ball. He can throw the ball. He can do all these things. And man, you got to be able to handle adversity if you're a starting quarterback in the NFL. So he's got to get things turned around because otherwise, even Olson's value is is going to be short lived.
2: He, uh, Eric, uh, he really looked uh, despondent, didn't he? I mean, he didn't. I mean, he looked totally different than last year's Cam Newton. I mean, couldn't you tell that?
3: Yeah, I thought that was uh, that was totally – I mean, like, just I'm looking at him like, my gosh, it's, it's like a different quarterback. And I understand it's a small sample size, as one game or whatever, but still, I mean, he hasn't been very good this season at all. The great thing about Cam Newton is if you do own him, I and mean, he is your starting quarterback – you still should be able to cash in on that, you know, on those rushing touchdowns every now and then. And you know, he's not going to get mid-teens like he did last year, but still, uh, those those will be nice to have in your back pocket. So you can still roll them out there, uh, basically every week, and just and just hope it's it's the 2011 Cam Newton and not the early season 2012 Cam. Let's get a
1: live report and a live look in at the chat room. The crew here at Red vs Blue, Shane Hallam, this week will determine it if Turner struggles in quiz plays well done you have the counterpoint by Lance Sports Betting man quiz is a 12 touch guy turner can handle 20 plus which way do you see it mike are you siding with Shane P Hallam or are you siding with Lance Sports Betting man
2: i'm going to side with lance uh for the, for the simple reason that they're not going to they're not going to run the ball that much they don't need to with all the weapons that they have at, at wide outs and uh tight end so uh you know, take the safe spot and uh, go with Michael Turner. And uh, even even in red zone situations, I still think they're going to go with the big bruiser and uh, Michael Turner.
1: And we have comments from Mino Brown. That's how I see it, Lance. Just don't see the talent. He sees it on a guy like Kendall Hunter who does not get the touches, and he doesn't see it on Quiz. So that's. That's the debate going on in the chat room right now on Jaw Quiz. The Quizinator, Rogers. New England at Buffalo, Mike. This is an interesting game because, look, we always start the New England Patriots, right? You put them all in. You throw them all against the wall, see what sticks. On the Buffalo side, this has been just a total uh, up-and-down type of season for these running backs. You looked at Fred Jackson, who everybody drafted higher than Spiller. He goes out week one. Spiller goes. Then Spiller Falls and and has a devastating injury that we look we're thinking oh my god it's going to be bad and now he's already practicing. Fred Jackson looks ready to play against the Patriots this weekend. Chan Gailey provided the update. We read it uh, Thursday after Jackson made it through his second straight day of practice. It says he sprained his knee, and they're already saying barring a setback, they expect Jackson to play Sunday. He's he's talking very favorably. On the other hand, he looks very cautious. when he to co- discuss a Spiller. Spiller returned to practice but he worked on a limited basis and and Gailey didn't sound like too encouraging there so we'll see where it takes us is what he said I don't know where it's going. What what do you make of that Mike? If you own Spiller you're in a really tough spot. What if he plays? You you have to put him in, right?
2: Yeah, you almost have to uh it, it's a very it is a very tough situation Scott because uh I I'm not so sure that uh Spiller is going to be right I'm not so sure if I was a Jackson owner that I could put him in. it in. It would be very hard for me to put either one of these two in. Uh, it's it, it's tough. I mean the game, the over/under is fifty and a half. Uh, I I tend to think this game is going to go way under the number. Uh, the only reason I say that is because Buffalo's defense I think will create enough havoc on uh, New England. To where they don't score enough points, but uh, getting back to your question, uh, it, it's going to be tough to—it's it, going to be tough to start either one of them guys, uh, Jackson or Spiller.
1: And Eric, I'll turn this one over to you again. A very tough situation for Jackson owners and Spiller owners. If Jackson—if you're a Jackson owner and you hear the report on Sunday that Spiller is active, do you start him? And conversely, if you're a Spiller owner and you see the report that Jackson is active, and Spiller is active, obviously, do you start him? So Jackson, Spiller, take them both,
3: there. If I'm a Spiller owner, I've already made arrangements for somebody to play in Spiller's place no matter what happens on Sunday. So even if Jackson's active, I'm still not playing Spiller. Um, and honestly, if I'm if I'm if I'm in a tough spot and I have to start Spiller, then I'm starting him regardless if it Jackson's healthy or not because I already know I'm screwed uh, at that running back position. If Jackson, I think the interesting one is if Jackson is active, which I think he will be. Um, if he's active and then Spiller's is active, what do you do in that case? And and then it gets a little bit more dicey. Uh, again, I think it depends upon you know the running backs you have behind him. But I still think I mean like. Man, I, I just think that injury that Spiller suffered, I I can't believe he's going to be you know, his normal self this week. So I'm even if Spiller's active, I still think I'm playing Jackson this week.
1: Let's look on the other side of the ball. Let's say your options are a hot handed Stephen Ridley from week one, who's completely declined in weeks two and three. They're playing Buffalo. Right. It's a difficult player to bench, and if you have to play him, you could do worse. However, His carries have declined from 21-18 to 13, as have the rushing yards, 125-71 to 37. And, and, I mean, we're even looking at little Danny Woodhead, the former Jet here, receiving more rushing attempts, Mike, 15 than Ridley did in week three. So i got to factor the Bills' defense in here. They have played well in two out of three games, might be capable of keeping Ridley in check. So if it's a Ridley or Spiller situation, Mike, what do you take?
2: I, I take uh, I take Danny Woodhead. Uh, the only reason is because Danny Woodhead's reliable. He's reliable in that offense. He's reliable catching the ball out of the backfield. He can do that. Uh, Ridley, w- we're not we're not so sure yet. He's he's, I mean, he's had some flashes of greatness, but he still hasn't proven himself uh, to the entire uh, New England nation, including. The hoodie. So yeah. uh, I mean I mean you gotta you gotta you gotta do that to him. Danny Woodhead, he's already proven and it wouldn't surprise me to see Danny Woodhead get the bulk of the carries and some receptions out of the backfield this week.
1: Hey, Ridley, uh I, I love the hoodie uh comment there, Mike. That's uh that's nice. Ridley or Spiller Ridley is a weekly spin of the wheel, says Billy Waz. You never know what Belichick drives you crazy. Uh, Ridley or Spiller, Mike. I'll take Woodhead. <laughs> That's nice, Eric.
2: Uh, Stephen
1: Ridley. Again, uh, it's, it's really the only question mark uh, offensive option you have on the New England side of the ball. Look, we're playing the Gronk. We're putting in Lloyd. We're throwing uh, Tom Brady into the into the fray, no matter what. And I mean, unless you're an RG3 owner and you grabbed them both, you you definitely start RG3 until proven otherwise. Uh, I love the fact that they, they picked up win
2: Winslow for one game and then like done. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was his. That was his call though. He has
1: to be released from that. That was kind of interesting that he wanted out. And look, the the problem with that was the playbook. He could not. He, there's no way he's going to learn that playbook. And the in the offensive systems that he's been in after Cleveland and Tampa,
3: you yeah. know,
1: it's, it, he's not going to learn the New England the playbook. So uh, again, Eric. Uh, Steven Ridley, this is a question uh, uh, Guys took him in the third, fourth, fifth Including me in Las Vegas Now what do you do?
3: uh when it comes down to um to Ridley and I, again i mean this just comes down to like i just have no faith that cj spiller is going to be healthy enough even if he's active to play it is at his what he's been accustomed to is his normal performance level so i'm i'm totally playing ridley over spiller and and i i it's it's not close for me but again i mean that's that's just me i've been wrong once maybe twice in my life before <laughs>
1: I have him in a the uh, super sat and, I, and I'm and i sitting in that same situation where I have Ridley Spiller uh, kind of have to make that decision or I have to throw somebody else. Maybe I'll even put in a Ramsey's Barden this week, which we will talk about the G-Men here in a little bit uh, because that is an interesting uh, game for sure. Minnesota at Detroit, a lot to talk about here, fellas. 60 snaps for Mikel LaShore, a late uh, start in a bench, you know, there for that Kevin Smith situation. If you weren't around the the your laptop or your cell phone, able to make that move, you probably had Kevin Smith in the lineup on Sunday morning, and that's why it's very imperative when you're putting your money in these high stakes leagues that you do get ready and watch those games. Very hard to go to an NFL game these these days, guys. If you're at an NFL game and you're you're you know you're having a few beers, you can't you've got to have you got to be watching your lineups if you're going to put this much money in the line. You can't just take a week off. Uh, because every week is so important. And if you had Kevin Smith, sixty snaps for LaShore. Kevin Smith gets five. Uh big deal. Joique Bell even gets twenty two. Mike LaShore questionable with the groin, but he should go. Uh Mike, what did you take of the what was your take on the whole LaShore Kevin Smith situation?
2: Well, you know, it, it's kind of a mess there, but uh I think uh LaShore is gonna be uh he's gonna be tough to beat but the one thing that uh, that I love about this game, Minnesota and Detroit, is uh, the fact that uh, Calvin Johnson is gonna. I, mean, I think he's gonna show up big time against him uh, against he, that secondary of uh, of Minnesota. I you know I like LeShore. You know I think it's gonna be a great combination. Uh, they're gonna be able to run the ball and uh, throw the ball and just. It's going to be a lot of fun for them guys. I'm telling you, this is going to be a shooting match. And and that's not to take away from uh, Christian Ponder for what he's done for uh, Minnesota, but uh, Detroit's going to have fun with uh, Calvin and uh, Mikel.
1: Sackett is in the chat room and the prognosticator from the FFPC. Welcome, fellas. We're trying to get uh, get some of that money. Show
3: me the money! We're trying
1: yeah. to get some of we're trying to get some of that money, and we got it. We got Mikel LaShore going up against the Minnesota Viking defense. We have uh, several questions here uh, with what to do uh, if, with a lot of players on this. We've got Jerome Simpson making his debut on Sunday. What was that? <laughs> Having served a three-game suspension for violating the league's substance abuse policy, uh, stemming from the off-season felony drug conviction, we all look, watch that the marijuana shipment to his home. He served 15 days in jail. He's back, and then we've got this guy Eric on the other on Minnesota's team. Kyle Rudolph, 13 for 138 and three, had a little bit of a thigh injury. Practice fully on Friday. Definitely a go. Probable against the Lions here. I just want. I just try to. I have to understand this because Detroit's been serving up a nice average stat line every week to tight ends: six catches for 82 and a touchdown on average to opposing tight ends this season so far. But when you look at the snaps, Kyle, Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph's been doing a lot with a little: 28 passing routes, 33 snaps on run blocking, six pass blocking. This guy is a blocking machine for the Vikings, and now you've got Jerome Simpson back. So if you look at the stats, Harvin 34, Jenkins 32, and I'm talking about passing rounds, and Kyle Rudolph 28 with Simpson back. Are you, Kyle Rudolph a must start, right?
3: Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I mean, I think he's shown uh, how talented he is. As um, you know, again in fantasy we don't care about how good you are as a blocker, but if you are a talented blocker, that means you get more snaps. That means you're out on the field more, and that means you have more chances to accrue fantasy points. And Kyle Rudolph, for me, I think is a lot is a guy that a lot of teams drafted as maybe their backup tight end. That all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, this guy's performing better than my starting tight end. I got to get him out there. Um, you know, I, I've I've flexed him out in 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 leagues where you know you don't get one and a half points for um for tight end scoring. I'm still flexing Kyle Rudolph uh, uh, out along with like you know guys like Tony Gonzalez and um you know Greg Olson and guys like that. So he's been a pleasant surprise. I think there's a few people on him in the preseason that were that were uh, really expected big things for him, and and they're uh, they're being rewarded right now we've got uh we've got questions in the
1: chat room we'll we'll get you up to date with that mike according to espn.com right before the show stafford battling the hip injury coming into this sunday's game thus far though when i look at the stats and i watch stafford he's not playing up to expectations he's he's almost uh what is he 69% of his passes 860 yards in 3 games he's only seen the end zone 3 times and has four interceptions Now they're taking on a tough defense in the Vikings. The Vikings are ranked eighth in the NFL against the pass, and they're easily, in my opinion, the best pass defense Detroit has faced so far. So when I'm looking at Antoine Winfield on the other side and this Chris Cook kid, they're going to make it difficult for the Lions to move the ball, you would think. Now, I know it's the Lions, but to make matters worse, the Vikings are ranked 13th against the run, uh, and the Lions are only averaging 3.8 yards per carry on the ground. This this doesn't look good for Detroit, especially if, if Stafford isn't healthy. And, again, he hasn't looked like an elite quarterback so far. Calvin's still elite. You know, Pettigrew's a great tight end with terrible hands, and LaShore comes in and, and looks like a workload kind of guy if he can stay healthy. But
2: what do you well, think about
1: Stafford this
0: week?
2: Well, you know, let's put it this way. I mean, we're, we're gathering these stats from uh, the first three games, and I, I truly believe that Matthew Stafford is—he can be an elite quarterback. Is he right now? No, uh, but he can be an elite quarterback. He knows how to find Calvin. He's already proven it. He knows how to find uh, Brandon Pettigrew. He's—he's he's already proven that. Uh, it's just about him getting—you know—getting his legs underneath him and getting right. Uh, you know, I—in my opinion, this game is a no-brainer. I think Detroit. I mean, I think they win by ten, twelve, fourteen points over Minnesota. In my opinion,
1: man, there's a there's a good discussion going on about Kyle Rudolph. Billy thinks that the uh, best days are behind him now that Simpson has returned, less targets, less looks. Mino Brown doesn't agree. Rudolph is for real and here to stay. Most tight ends take their fantasy leap in year two or never, and he's taking his Kyle well, Rudolph. I was, I was-
2: Go ahead. Well, Scott, you know, real quick, I'd love to throw out to you and Eric, uh, you know, would you rather have right now at this stage of the game at tight end, would you rather have Kyle Rudolph or Jer- Jermaine Gresham?
1: Uh, Eric, I'll let you field that one.
3: Yeah, I uh, I think I'd rather have – it's interesting. Because um, if you look at, at drafts, you know, uh, how, they, uh, how they shaped up, um, um, you know, a month ago um we are drafting. Uh Gresham was going, you know, multiple rounds uh ahead of Kyle Rudolph. Um and I think now you look at it and Rudolph is the guy making all the plays. Um obviously Andrew Hawkins is, is stealing some targets in Cincinnati. AJ Green's been a beast. I've never really been a Jermaine Gresham guy. Like I I've never just for whatever reason, he just he never got me excited. Um and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I really do like Rudolph. So, at this point, if, if, if I owned Jermaine Gresham and somebody offered me Kyle Rudolph straight up for him, I would I would do that trade. So, obviously, I like Rudolph better. You know, and
1: it was a year difference in the draft that came out. You've got two guys that are basically the same guy. They're both about 6'5", 6'6", 260 from what I recall. And you've got Gresham coming in two years ago, Kyle Rudolph last year. And they're both getting about the same kind of targets. They're both on teams that uh, really need somebody over the middle to kind of, you know, relieve that uh, pressure that that wide receiver faces, Harvin and A.J. Green. I like them both. That is a very close call for me. And uh, I I tell you what, I just think that Rudolph is – I would love to see the snap count get up there a little higher uh, for for Kyle Rudolph, and he wouldn't be staying back to block so much. But let's see what he does. I think the more they get this kid out there, the more they're going to get him in – Get him the ball. I like both young quarterbacks. It's a very interesting situation there, Mike. You've got two guys that yeah. uh, that that have a lot of upside going into this year. It looks like it took Gresham uh, uh, two years with his quarterback Andy Dalton to really get things going this year, and now Kyle Rudolph is already getting things going with Christian Ponder, who who is a a much improved quarterback this year, it appears. So maybe that eleventh pick wasn't too early. Let's move on. A lot to lot to digest there in that uh, in that matchup. Going to be a good one to watch. Tennessee at Houston. Here you have a tale of two cities, guys. Uh, it's token uh, all over again. We've got Houston in this great defense and a, and, a, and an offense that you just you know doesn't stop. And and poor Matt Shaw, man, he lost an ear. He was like Evander Holyfield out there, man. He got hit so hard. I, I, it was just a, a, a
2: brutal. Hey,
1: they brutal. Picked, they pick they it up in Laramie, Wyoming. Oh man, Tennessee at
2: Houston. Who's the guy that told you to
1: bench Chris Johnson last week? Okay, now I, I believe that he might break out of his slump, but oh gosh, but but I did say to bench him, and I remember the I remember I said, hey, anybody, it doesn't matter who put him in there for instead of Chris Johnson, and now you've got him at Houston, Mike. So I'm going to give you another chance to get this one right. The Titans are at home. The Lions didn't have a stellar run defense. Now the Titans, they attempted just 19 rushes, and Johnson, again, just totally disappointing, 24 yards on 14 carries. Meanwhile, the passing game shined with Jake Locker, 378 yards and two TDs. Very hard to bench that guy after 378 yards and two TDs. But the Texans' defense is the best he's faced all year by a wide margin. Do you really think he can have a turnaround? The next three games, Mike, if you don't bench him now – He's slated to face Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo, and none of those particularly look like favorable matchups, Mike. Say it with me. I'm benching Chris Johnson.
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to see what happens. Uh, But, I mean, it's been a mess. I mean, it's been a bad call. It's been a bad call from the word go. Uh, And, you know, I don't know what to do with the guy. But I'm going to try him this week and see what happens. And then, you know, if I don't get anything, then I've got to go elsewhere.
1: All right, Eric, I'm going to put you to the test. I just put it in the chat room. Ryan Williams or Chris Johnson?
3: <laughs> oh, man, you're asking the guy who has the conviction of somebody with not a lot of conviction. I don't think I could do <laughs> it. Like, I just, I mean, you're talking about like, okay, number one, I did not take Chris Johnson in any leagues this year. But if I did you're talking about me starting Ryan Williams a dude who may have gone in double digit rounds in some drafts um you know earlier on a guy who was a backup uh, on a a poor rushing offense to begin with and now he's a starter there my god i mean it's just like i, I it's like asking it's like asking a friend to move you know like you know it's like you it's know, such a it's such a big commitment i don't think i could do it um I, 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 it would take a, some soul searching and 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 maybe a, a couple of snorts of scotch for me to actually get on board to to start Ryan Williams over Chris Johnson. So I think I could do it, but man, it would take a lot a lot of pondering about it.
1: I've got uh, a lot of people in the chat room, guys. They're saying they'd start Ryan Williams over Chris Johnson. They'd start Quiz Rogers over Chris Johnson. Another guy get paddled says drink. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, let me, let, hey Scott and uh, Eric, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, this is kind of funny because uh, when we go into uh, go into our drafts, our local drafts, uh, mixed stakes drafts, uh, Vegas draft, you know, the big time. Uh, if you draft somebody really high, how committed do you feel to them to continue to start them every week? For instance, this is week four. I have Chris Johnson in one of my leagues, and I mean, how committed? I mean, when's the time to pull the plug?
1: Mike, I don't, I don't have any loyalty, not in the world of high stakes fantasy football. None, zero, zilch. If I have an option, for example, this week, I'll tell you what I did. This is the, this is why we play high stakes fantasy football. I drafted Antonio Gates. I also picked up Dennis Pitta. I started Dennis Pitta this week, man. That's how I roll. I benched Gates, put in Pitta, and Pitta gets zero for the game. That's how I roll. No loyalty whatsoever, and it it very likely turns out to burn me. Now I'm sitting there saying to myself, you know what? This is the week that Gates completely goes off. So I'm now looking at benching one of my flex options and putting Gates in just so I make sure (laughs) I don't have the karmic experience of having Gates burn me and, and have to live with that and stare him down in the rest of the season. Lance makes a good point in the chat room. CJ has a softer schedule from now on. He's been waiting to see who in the fantasy world really likes him and will go off now when his official haters all bench him this week.
2: So, um, thanks, Lance. There you have I it.
1: You don't, you don't believe in loyalty in, in high-stakes fantasy football, right, Eric? I mean, obviously there's something called don't bench your studs. You never bench your studs. You know, I considered – benching FitzGerald last week and then you know Billy talked me out of it and I said you know you're right I don't bench uh Fitz when he's been torching the Eagles for his entire career uh but Chris Johnson doesn't have that feeling of stud to me after what we saw last year and what we're seeing this year yeah
3: Dave Gerzak and I we we've co-owned a lot of teams over the years and one thing when we talk about lineup decisions you know, we'll look at it from a variety of different angles. And one thing I always ask him, and he hates this. He 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 doesn't like this this strategy. He doesn't like looking at it from this angle. But I always say, well, who are you going to be more ticked off if they go off? You know, on your bench, are you going to be more ticked off if you if you start Chris Johnson and Ryan Williams goes off, or are you going to be more ticked off if if you start Ryan Williams and Chris Johnson goes off? And he doesn't like looking at it from that angle, and I understand why, but I can't help but look at it from that angle. And I know, man, if I start if I start Ryan Williams and I leave Chris Johnson on the bench, and then CJ has one of those you know 15 carries for 130 yards and two touchdown games where he busts two long ones. I, I know I'm going to have a rotten week. Like, it's just, it's going to ruin my week if I do that. So it, it's going to take quite a bit for me to, to start. I'm not saying it's impossible, uh, but it's going to take quite a bit for me to start Ryan Williams over Chris Johnson this week. And I, listen, there's a bunch of guys in the crew right now that are way more experienced than me and have been through, you know, this song and dance before where it's just old hat with them. And they're all saying, no, you bench Chris Johnson to play Ryan Williams. I'm telling you, man, like, it's my naivete, it's my... It's my um, just my my young innocence that that I I still believe in Chris Johnson. You know what I mean? And and I just I, I don't I don't know if I'd have it in me to sit him. Yeah, uh, I tell you what, it's a, it, it's definite. We also have a couple of other
1: options here to talk about in this game, and <clears throat> we, we we see it right here in the chat room. Shane P. Hallam, this will be the first week I don't start CJ starting Ben Tate over him. I absolutely. Absolutely, Shane, without a shadow of a doubt, love starting Ben Tate this year. This is the type of game that is perfect for Ben Tate. I've said it before. you got to wait until the Texans face a terrible run defense and a team they should beat. And this is the type of game you're going to get a ton of second-half carries. This is This is that game the Texans ran the ball 47 times in that blowout against the Titans last year you're going to look for an early passing game and they're going to milk the clock in the second half and that's going to benefit running backs like Ben Tate greatly. He had 15 carries for 104 yards last time in that game. He he may not get the 100 this year, but look, he's a great flex. If you're in a if you're in a 12 team league, it's a great second flex. I would love to put him in there. I also like Owen Daniels. Owen Daniels this week who I told you to bench last week. I was right. I mean, I was pretty much right, right? I mean, he did, wait, he got a touchdown, didn't he? <laughs> okay. But the Titans defense, no shortage of problems. Defending tight ends have been one of those issues. Daniels leads the Texans in targets and is tied for the team in catches. you got to put Owen Daniels in there this week. I, I'll tell you, I, I'm looking for every tight end that plays against the Broncos. Just remember that guy, Vaughn Miller. If you're playing against the Broncos, you've got to leave that tight end in the block for the most part if, if you can. and And that's just the type of – threat that Vaughn Miller is to your health if you're a quarterback. And this year week they're playing Oakland. Uh, Oakland at Denver. You've got the Brandon Myers experiment. He suffered that concussion against the Steelers after he got that big hit by Monday. He's passed the NFL required test. He's been cleared to play in Denver. Mike, what do you think about this Brandon Myers kid? He's a top 10 tight end right now. It was a, it was a couple of garbage games for Carson Palmer, and he kind of padded the stats. But last week he was pretty involved all the entire game. And and now you've got a kid, again, Vaughn Miller, what do you do?
2: Well, he's going to do exactly what he did last week. He's going to mix him up with uh, that wide receiver, Daenerys Moore. I mean, these two guys, are they've become the focal point of the Oakland Raiders offense. Uh, McFadden, he's going, to be, he, he's going to get his yards. But, uh, you know, in that game, uh, you know, I'm looking at the number right now. And I just uh, – I, I see – Palmer using uh, the tight end and uh, Denarius De- De- De Moore. I mean, they're- those two guys are—they're going to get most of the, the touches.
1: Yeah, You're, you are in love with Denarius Moore week after week. You, you bring him up here on the show, and and I just—I uh, like the kid's talent. But it's again, it's another one of those situations where I'm just waiting for something to happen. Again, 33 snaps offensively <laughs> did pick up quite a bit. You look at Brandon Myers, nineteen, Darius Hayward Bay doesn't remember anything about the hit. That's a terrible concussion. He's doubtful, so he won't play. Derek Hagan will come up and step in. As for the Broncos on the other side of the ball, you've got a lot of issues there, but McGahey, Jacob Tammy, and uh who's the corner there? The um uh Tracy Porter. Uh they all had injuries. McGahey had the rib, Tammy had the groin, and, and Porter the um the knee. And they all practiced fully on Friday. They're all listed as probable. So I think a lot of people were a little bit worried with McGahee coming into this week, but he practiced. So, you know, it's an interesting situation, Eric. We had all these injuries, all these running backs. You know, uh, Spiller and uh, McGahee, and and the list went on and on this week. um, uh, who there was another one. Um, The injuries just kept pounding up, and all of a sudden you think all these backs are going to be out for the year, and now they're all coming back this week.
3: Yeah, it's, it's uh it's it's a it's a weird situation um you know just the the fantasy um emotional roller coaster you ride uh during the week where where you're like, Oh, I got a plan to be without this guy for two weeks and then, you know, he sort of teases you, Ah yeah, nope, I I shed the the walking boot, the brace is off, I'm 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 gonna be looking at practice later this week and then and then you see him and the boots still on and then um you know, a Friday comes along and hey, he's not doubtful, he's questionable shot to play, and then you get all excited and then you know, it all comes down to Sunday. But I think a lot of these guys were you know, are battling these issues and um, you know, where it's a will they or won't they play uh, all week, I tend to, you know, no matter if they're active or not, I tend to look elsewhere just because I, I think that um, sometimes I get so excited that a guy is active and not necessarily starting, but active that I'm, I'm sort of blinded to, like, well, that doesn't mean he's going to be good. That doesn't mean it, 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 he should be out there. It just means he will be out there. So I, I think that even if a guy is active and starting, there's, there's still a lot of other stuff that you need to look at. Um, you know, especially with running backs more so than any other position.
1: On that other side of the ball, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker continue to lead the team in snaps offensively. One snap behind Peyton Manning, fifty-nine snaps. The run game, not a lot of offensive running snaps here. Uh again, McGahee sees twelve and goes out. Lance ball comes in and sees seven. Ronnie Hillman two. Moreno's pretty much done now. He's back in the doghouse, and both ball and Hillman have surpassed him. If McGahee decides or has a couple carries and he doesn't go, I still see this as a game where just Peyton takes it into his hands. And we might see a little bit of Lance Ball here and there. We might see a little bit of Hillman. But again, this is uh this is this is Peyton's team. Demarius Decker, Jacob Tamme. he has plenty of weapons. We should see Denver uh get that win. They have a very difficult schedule this year. I saw a lot of guys on NFL Network this morning picking the Raiders to win, but I don't see it. I think Denver has had a very brutal schedule so far. They've looked good in these games. I think Denver really gets it going this week, regardless of where McGehee is at. I think Peyton Manning takes care of business. Let's look at San Diego and Kansas City really quickly. Jamal Gate had a had a monstrous game, not much on the other side of the ball. Matthew still questions. You have Gates. Gates is having a down year. We already talked about him, but I think he's always a must start for, for reasons that I talked about earlier. I don't see a lot else to talk about. Other, Like I said, it's Jamal Charles. San Francisco oh, is the Jets. You've got Revis is out. And so, you, you obviously, nobody's out on Revis Island anymore. That is kind of taken away from us fantasy owners. We used to be worried about it and looking ahead in the schedule. You don't have that with Kyle Wilson. Uh, so, you're, you're going to have Cromartie and Wilson kind of taking care of business and there's not a lot of offensive magic here to talk about. I don't see sparks flying when I say San Francisco and the Jets. It's defense all the way. Seattle at St. Louis. We all had that game. Uh that game on uh Monday night was just absolutely horrid at the end there. Russell Wilson, Golden Tate. Golden Tate's not a guy you throw in your lineup just yet. I know you would have loved to had him and had him in your lineup if you had that touchdown. But uh, this is not a guy that we're ready to anoint or put into our starting lineups yet, especially with the development and the young career of Russell Wilson. On the other side of the ball, I'm really interested to see what they do with Steven Jackson. Here's a guy over the hill. A lot of people didn't draft. I wouldn't touch him in the draft just because of the age factor. I I hate age when I I walk into Vegas. I just don't like it. And uh, Jackson returned to Rams practice on Friday. But according to the beat writers... uh, Jim Thomas, he looked very limited by this issue, by this groin injury. He's not full strength. Uh he's playing he wasn't full strength against the Bears. So this is the news from his first practice back. Very highly discouraging. And Mike, I we like this kid, Daryl Richardson, right? So Seattle and yeah. Lewis, you put Daryl Richardson in.
2: Yeah, I've had uh, I've had Daryl Richardson. Uh, I picked him up in you know after week one. I love the kid. Uh there's no way in tech. Yeah, put hitman against Seattle. Not that situation. That Seattle defense is legit. I mean, they are that good. So they're going to have to deal with uh, uh, Bradford and uh, and and the passing game. And I don't know what's going to happen. I I really, if Steven Jackson's healthy, if he's doing well, then then good good deal. But you know, if it's not, I, I can't rely on Bill Richardson right now against Seattle.
1: Because that defense, like I said, it is that good. And uh, you, you do have to be worried that uh, Steven Jackson may not play. Hopefully you have something lined up uh, for that uh, possibility. Miami at Arizona. Here's another situation. This is the other guy I was trying to think of, Eric. Running back Reggie Bush listed as questionable. He might be the most questionable of any of the running backs we've talked about so far. Uh, against the Arizona Cardinals, he sustained the knee injury in the second quarter of in the in that loss to the Jets. And after not practice on Wednesday, he was able to do limited drills on <laughs> Thursday and Friday. I, I don't I don't know what to do with this guy. I've got him in a lot of leagues, Eric, and here we are with without knowing what to do it just seems like a very difficult situation in a, in a game situation to put him into.
3: Uh, I, I think like, um, given his injury, it, it seemed like the stuff I was reading throughout the week as people were reporting the injury and, and talking about it, it seemed like it was a little bit overblown and I don't know if it's as serious as, um, a lot of people were making it out to be. So if he's active, I'm playing him and I'll feel pretty good about it. Um, and, uh, He's not the type of guy where if he's named at if he's going to be active and he's not going to start. He's not the type of guy where I'm looking like okay, what other better option do I have? He's active, I'll play him. And on the other side of the ball, Mike
1: Ryan Williams again another guy that I'm a fanatic about. I have him and he's my most popular Dynasty League player that I have. I did get him in both the NFFC Draft in the FFPC main and uh, several other places. Williams missed the entire rookie season due to that ruptured patella in his right knee. He regained some much-needed confidence. I saw him get the Eagles for 62 yards in the fourth quarter. Then he started hobbling off. I was like, oh, no, not again. But it was just cramps. Uh, he He had a little bit of cramping going on. And you have to think the Cardinals are going to be counting on Williams more than ever this week against the Miami defense that ranks third against the run, allowing just 64 yards per game. Last week he only had 23 staffs, Mike. I think he's going to see well over 35 this week. LaRod Stephens Howlings is out. So it's another name you got to pay attention to. He is out. He does like to get a lot of that third down work. This could be a full-time starter this week. Ryan Williams against Miami. What do you do with him, Mike? Uh,
2: I, you got to start Ryan Williams. Uh, this Arizona Cardinals team already oh. reminds me of the uh, – the Trenton Dilford Tampa Bay team that uh, won the Super Bowl. I mean, I mean this team, they're, they're, they're not brilliant. Uh, they don't do uh, a lot of stuff that people would like to see them do, but they win. And, you know, Wizard Hunt, I mean, he's hes no joke. I mean, he's for real. So I i really like what uh, Arizona's doing. So I would start Ron Williams. Absolutely.
1: Uh sounds like Skype is experiencing some issues. The chat room is saying there's some echoing going on. Hopefully that will clear up for you guys. Maybe we can, get, uh, we can get a better internet connection in here. Somebody? Cincinnati at Jacksonville. Again, A.J. Green is the guy you could have had when you took Julio Jones. Not to rub it in because I did it myself, but A.J. Green is an absolute monster. MJD is also there and doing what MJD does. He's getting his... They got the game. They got the win against the Colts on that uh, Blaine Gabbard to Cecil Shorts hookup. Totally disappointed a lot of Colts fans that I was watching the game with last Sunday. And um, then we've got the New Orleans at Green Bay game, guys. This is uh, this is one of my sleeper picks of the week. And again, it's when I say sleeper, I mean somebody that you've been wanting to get in your lineup, but you just couldn't. This is the week to get him in there, Randall Cobb, guys. Again, this is a New Orleans team that's allowing over 11 yards per passing attempt, okay? That's just disgusting. Everything we thought we knew about coaching is very important. You don't have your head coach. You don't have your defensive coach. New Orleans is absolutely showing it. They're falling apart. They're 0-3, heading into Lambeau. And I look at Randall Cobb as the new Darren Sproles. The idea was to get Cobb involved in some of the same ways the Saints use Sproles. Obviously, he's taller and about the same weight. He's about three, or four inches taller than, than Sproles. But they want to use him the same way. They want to get him involved in those running games. Cobb has played 31% of the Packers' offensive plays this year. Sproles has been on the field for 51%. So if, if you really like that and you see those similarities, which, again, you have to listen to the coaching staff, and McCarthy revealed it. I watched every snap of, of Sproles, he said. It was, frankly, he said, just in preparation of some ideas for what we're trying to do with Randall Cobb. They really want to get this kid into the game. It's coming out of McCarthy's mouth. Cobb has a little more upside with you know, this rush of 20 yards or more in each of the last two games. I like James Jones as well. He's been targeted at least five times each of the first three weeks, Mike. So I'm all for working Cobb and Jones into the lineup in three wide receiver, four wide receiver format.
2: I've been, you know, I've been looking at this game because I have James Jones. Uh, I own James Jones, in, gosh, three league. I can't rely on him with that foot. He he's got an injury problem, and maybe Eric can uh, uh, expand on that a little bit more. But I, I can't rely on James Jones, so that leaves uh, Randall Cobb as, as another option. Uh, I really like New Orleans in this game. I really like. What do you like about uh, you know just uh, keep keep it within the eight points keep it within the seven uh,
0: so I don't know
2: I I just I would rather I would rather not have to rely on James Jones uh, what
1: do you what what is what what do you what is there to like about New Orleans Mike I'm gonna turn it over to Eric here who you referred to as an injury guy what is he Chris Kuhlman over here Eric what <laughs>
3: yeah definitely not that however i am in proximity to where the packers uh saints game uh, will be held uh, this weekend as i live about 25 uh, miles uh, southwest of green bay but yeah there is a um, injury issue with uh with james jones um he's not on the injury report anymore so it's probably uh, a non issue but again i mean james jones has just disappointed packers fans over and over again up here and i just i feel like for fantasy it could be the same thing i mean like Okay, so you, James Jones is playable this week. Okay, fine. So you put him in, and then what happens? Maybe Rogers throws four touchdowns, one to Jordy, one to Jennings, one to Jermichael, and then one to Benson or something like You know what I mean? And James Jones is shut out. Or maybe one to Cobb instead of Benson. So James Jones is kind of like if you are in that tough spot and you need a guy who, like, um, you know, could have a big week, James Jones is a fine guy to put in there, but he's not the type of guy where I would start him and be like, expecting solid production you know what I mean like he he's either going to go for like six or 80 and a touchdown or he'll catch one pass for negative four yards
1: yeah there's a there's some good conversation in the chat room going on now it was Tampa Mike Tampa Bay Mike Williams or Randall Cobb Billy is starting Tampa Bay Mike and Shane Hallam is debating Cobb and Titus uh, along with Dez, Brian, he has in that lineup. So it's going to be an interesting situation there. I would start Dez and Randall Cobb myself. New York Giants at Philadelphia. Again, uh, Hakeem Nix, the Giants wideout, listed as doubtful for Sunday's NFC East showdown with the Eagles in Philly. He experiences swelling in his left knee on Friday. Where is Chris Kuhlman at? Where, get him in here. This this remains uh, there, there remains a chance he might not even suit up. And now you have... So I'm thinking to myself, yeah, Ramsey's Barden, baby, I got him in several places. I'm, I'm liking what I see. I thought Ramsey's Barden looked like the next T.O. out there. I mean, it's his third year and he's, and he's looking like a beast. And now we hear news that Dominic Hickson, the veteran, uh, may be the guy who has surpassed Ramsey's Barden again. He appears to have fallen back behind a healthy Dominic Hickson on the, on the depth chart. Now, Coughlin, as always, he was very evasive on the question, suggesting there are roles for everybody. But beat writers walked away believing that Hickson is the higher guy on the on the depth chart. I'm, I don't know what to do now, Mike. I like what I saw in Barden, and he passes the eye test for me. No way that if, if I have Knicks, and I put, I put Barden in the lineup.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I do too. Uh, Barden is going to be uh, one of uh, uh, Eli Manning's uh, targets. I mean, he's going to be targeting him all night long. Uh, he should be good to go. i take another one is Martellus Bennett. Uh, this guy is, I mean, he is becoming a beast. Uh, he finally got his opportunity, so I, I would expect Martellus Bennett to uh, have a huge game, uh, Barden to have a huge game. And on the Philly side, open up the run. Let LaShawn McCoy do what he needs to do.
1: Eric, I'm going to pass this one to you, my man. Eli Manning or Joe Flacco? Two good quarterbacks. The rest of the way, we saw what Flacco did to Cleveland. It looks like it's now the Flacco's team. This is a guy that did have, I mean, look, he had the team, the Ravens, in the Super Bowl. It wasn't his fault. This is a Super Bowl quarterback in Joe Flacco. It could have been Flacco versus Eli. Now, I ask you, the rest of the way, who would you rather have, Joe Flacco or Eli Manning?
3: It's tough to say. I mean, I like them both about the same. Um, I guess I, I you know, I pick Eli just for because he passes the eye test. I mean, this is a guy who has thrown for a ton of yardage and touchdowns already before. Where this is really the first time that the reins are being, um, you know, taken off Joe Flacco and, and letting him do what he wants to do out there. Um, he's got some weapons and Pitta and Torrey Smith and Bolden, obviously, hasn't died yet with uh, his big 130 yard performance last night. You yeah. killed Ray Rice out there. So, I mean, Flacco's got a lot of weapons, but for me, I like the comfort of knowing that Manning has done this before. Uh, so I would rather have him. But hey, I got Flacco in a ton of leagues and I'm loving life there, too.
1: Mike, uh, we have one last game. One last game, and we're almost out of time. with the Chicago and the Dallas game. The number one defense in the league is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, yards allowed, and Cutler has a career passer rating. Get this: of eighty-three and a Bear passer rating of eighty. He hasn't been the same in in Chicago, but in prime time games overall, he has a passer rating of seventy-nine. But as a Bear in prime time games, it's a seventy-one. When he's in the spotlight, this guy is not prime time. He is. Dive time, okay. This guy has not got it done. Brandon Marshall, Hester, Earl Bennett, all these guys making all this money, and they're not getting it done. Mike, who do you like in that game? Chicago at Dallas, thirty seconds.
2: I like the Cowboys five to nothing. <laughs> Eric Baldwin, High
1: Stakes Fantasy Hour. Thanks for joining us, my man. Always appreciate you being on Red versus Blue.
3: Thanks a lot, guys. I had a blast.
1: Garrett and, and Mike, uh, good luck in your team. Good luck with your uh, with your Kentucky team, getting it back into shape. FFPC, you got a lot going on, my man. We will see everybody next Friday night on Red vs. Blue. See you later, guys.
0: You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.